Breaking news on Bible Dingers News Network. Guys, you know how we start the show. Of course, I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Oh, we got some breaking news for you. Ooh, is wait, it, a lion is back. Is it breaking news or is no, it? No, it's fake news or real news. <laughs> it's faking news. But I think our listeners know the deal. Okay. Fake news or real news, right, guys? Oh, oh wait, is your guys' alarms off oh as well? God. Yes. Wait. Triple check. <laughs> Triple check those alarms. Anyway, guys, who? Dini. No. Who <laughs> likes to cuddle? I hate cuddling. <laughs> Not for real. So you, Not for real. As we know. You got a girlfriend now, Mark. Hey. Congratulations. Where'd I clap at, bro? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark. We met her yes. last week. Do you like to cuddle? He's not allowed to yet. Admittedly, yes. So you do like to cuddle? I just said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. So you don't like to cuddle? I hate cuddling. Really? Yeah, for real. What? Like just wa- sitting on a couch? No, I just hate Watching love. a movie? Yeah. No, let's say you're sitting there watching a movie. Yeah. You still don't like to cuddle? No, I don't like to. I do it because my wife needs that, but I hate doing it. That's really? not your love language. Not at all. I think it's just society. It's not because I don't like like society personal touch or anything like that. It's just like not comfortable to me. Oh, know? it's not comfortable. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess this uh, fake news or real news might not be for you. Oh. You ready? Plymouth. There's a Plymouth meeting in PA. It's a first ever Men's Therapeutic Cuddle Group. Mm. Is this fake news? That's absolutely real news. Or real news? 100%. 100%? 110%. 110%. Men's Cuddle Group? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. I just couldn't wait to talk about this. Yeah. How you doing? I knew you guys would get it, but I just wanted to talk about it because I think we should do this this morning. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, I think we should have our first ever. You mean on top of the one that we South already Plainfield did? Plainfield Men's Cuddle Group, Bible Dinger Men's Cuddle Group. So let me tell you, uh, the intention of this meetup is to provide a safe, structured, and platonic environment for men to experience what I call the three A's, acceptance, <laughs> affirmation, and affection. We establish safe touch boundaries Ooh. and only allow non-sexual cuddling. Ooh. Cuddling never takes place on a bed. See below. Men may want to cuddle or be held for many reasons, including to help heal past sexual abuse. If touch boundaries are not honored by all men, it can be damaging to the emotion or psycho- psychological health of other men. You are invited to participate. <laughs> you, the listener. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? You, the. I actually. You, Ryan. No, no, I, I know I'm invited. Yes, I. You're invited, bro. I accept. That I am invited. I don't accept <laughs> the invitation. <laughs> this has been going on for a long time in Japan. Really? Yeah, a long time. Huh. You ever watched... Um, it's a Vice documentary. No. Mm-mm, I don't watch documentaries. You only watch You don't documentaries. watch documentaries? You love just, documentaries. No, I just don't watch Vice. Daddy loves docs. Um, yeah, Vice can be kind of lame. But uh, they do have some good... What is that face? They do have some good documentaries, though, that are like intriguing... <laughs> And one was about the Japanese social uh, industry, essentially, where like you can pay to cuddle with somebody, you could 
women will pay men to go out with them on dates and stuff and entertain them. It's wild. Can we just reenact this for a moment? What, you want me to pay you to go on a date with, with you me? You can pay me and I'll cuddle you. <laughs> yeah, let's do it right now. Yeah, because I'm having such a hard time picturing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's enact this me, for a me, me, like forehead to forehead with some dude I never met. Ooh. Oh, this is so amazing, bro. Thank you so much. If, if you're lacking that, <laughs> you know, if you're lacking that at home. I guess. We've been so poppy lately. Oh. Who wants to cuddle? <laughs> Who wants to cuddle? Used to ride the pecs. He's a bumble dinger. Hand me down the threads. Then I hit the web. Hello, hello. Bumble dinger. Keys net zero dial up. CD in the mail when the 30 day trial up. Got that. Yeah. You guys know when Ryan picks the music. Yeah, that's great, bro. He was doing the uh, the dial-up. Is that what that was? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I think he needs some cuddling. Anyways. Anyways. We're talking about the book of Joshua today. Yeshua. Yeah. We are done with the Pentateuch, a.k.a. the Torah, b.k.a. first five books of the Bible. And we BKA. are now... Yeah. Burger King. A.k.a. B.k.a. CKA, oh, DKA. Before, oh, good. Did joke. you guys ever have MySpace? No. <laughs> no. Oh, you really didn't, Mark? You probably didn't grow up around MySpace era. You grew up in Facebook my, era. My friends had MySpace, but even when Facebook came out, I never got one. How old were you when Facebook got popular? What grade? Middle school. Middle school. Mm. I was already almost all the way through high school. Yeah, I, I had MySpace for years, bro. Never I had MySpace in high school. When I sw- when I made the switch to Facebook, I was like, ah, oh, man, I can't use HTML code to like. I didn't want it. Yeah, make my it. color, you know, change my color and stuff on the background. I was mm. all, I was messed up over that. Yeah. No top five. No it was music, top eight, bro. Top eight. Top eight. Top you just make no, your own website like, now with WordPress. Yeah, but like there was no music when you went on my page. Yeah. Anyway, Facebook's whack. It's all about that MySpace. Yeah, we should go back. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Anyways, we're talking about Joshua today. It is the first of the historical books in the OT. You guys know who wrote it? Ah, let me tell you. <laughs> tell me. Let Moses. Tell you. Anyway, there's a big debate here. There is a big debate here. About what? About the book. Of Joshua. Huge, huge debate. Uh, huge. <laughs> like, this is like breaking up churches. <laughs> no, it's it's really not. But there's, there, is, uh, there, is, there is a conversation we can have about who wrote the book of Joshua. Um, it's not exactly sure. Well. It's not sure. It's not sure. <laughs> 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 it's not exactly certain who wrote Joshua. Who wrote Joshua. The author is never named in the Bible, um, but according to Jewish tradition and some ultra-conservative views, um, ultra-conservative. We're going to listen to those? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. They believe that Joshua wrote it. Um, There are also some other Christians that believe that he didn't, but first we are going to go through the reasons as to why he did write it and as to why... Why he could have. Yeah, why he could have wrote it. And um, wh- how it was written during the time of the events in the book. Mm. 
So he could have very well wrote it. Um, let's go through those reasons. The author says we in Joshua 5.1 and us in 5.6. So that means he was there. Mm-hmm. That means he was a part of it. And Joshua, as we know, Possibly. was there, right? Yeah. And then the that? second reason. Huh? Do we know that? Oh, so they just talking about Joshua, but he wasn't there. Well, it's like Shakespeare. Houdini. Mm. What is that? It's just like Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Was Shakespeare actually there? Did he ever exist? Anyway, the second reason is the descriptions of the events are very vivid and detailed. Again, as if the person was there experiencing everything as if they knew. If I was talking about your experience based on something that you passed on to me, I wouldn't know all the very detailed of every detail. How you doing about doing good. what you experienced? You know what I mean? There you go. There's a, another reason why Joshua could have wrote it. The third reason is many portions of the book point to early authorship, such as Rahab was still alive at the time of writing. That's uh, 625. And then the Jebusites were still alive in Jerusalem, which is 1563, whom David drove out later. And then Tyre hadn't conquered Sidon yet in 134 through 6, and they conquered them around the 12th century B.C. Mm. Um, we also have a group of reasons why we think it might not have been from Joshua or that it had a late date of authorship. And that is Joshua's death and burial is recorded in Joshua 24, 29 through 30, similar to Moses' death. How could have Moses wrote about his own death? Mm. Um, so Joshua obviously couldn't have couldn't have did that either. Couldn't have did that. Mm. He couldn't. He did not do that. He did not. <laughs> he did not do that. Here we go. He did not write about his own death. So that's obvious. The second reason is Joshua 24, 31. It seems to point to a late date because it says Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. You would think if the author wasn't Joshua, but was a contemporary of Joshua, that person would be an elder. However, the writer of this section at least was able to speak to Israel's history even after all of the elders from the time had died. That reminds me of Judges. Where they say at that time Israel had no king, mm. and everyone did was right in their own eyes. Yeah, mm. we'll get into that in the next episode. So yeah, there's a couple of reasons why it might not have been a contemporary of Joshua. There's two events recorded in Joshua that happened after Joshua's life, including Caleb's conquest of Hebron, and that was in Joshua 15 verses 15 through 19, and then the Danites' conquest of Leshem in chapter 19 verses 47 so that was both of those events happened after joshua's death so that's not that doesn't necessarily mean a contemporary of joshua couldn't have written it that just means that joshua couldn't have written those portions also it says to this day 11 times in the book and in these sections the author refers to something that happened and then says it is the same to this day. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about things that happened during Joshua's time, during the time of the conquest and stuff. And he says, and it is the same, the same to, this, to day. this day. So it, 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 that would make you think that this happened, you know, the writing of this book happened in the future, that it wasn't during this day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? True. True that. So it could have been a few people that wrote it. It could have been Joshua. 
um, with additions made by somebody else. And some people think that it could have been Eleazar and Eleazar's son, Phineas. Mm. Yeah, of Aaron's family? Yes, Aaron's family. Look at you. Mm. Uh, another, It could have been another contemporary of Joshua, like an elder of Israel, with a few additions that were added later by somebody we don't know about. Or it could just be an unknown author who wrote after the events happened. Mm. It's important to note, though, that there are a lot of books in the Bible that we're not exactly sure who wrote it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away the validity of that piece of scripture. It's still God-breathed, God-inspired. Um, so we shouldn't be distracted at the fact that we don't know who wrote this book. It's not that huge of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't really have theological significance, per se, that we don't know the, mm-hmm. the human author. We still believe that God superintended it, no matter who the human author was. Exactly. Um, how you doing? How you doing? So because of because we don't really know the author, we also don't really know when it was written. So we're going to skip that that section. The date of the vents. 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 How old are these vents? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that was intense. Oh, he's doing the hand the motion. The date of the vents was intense. So the Exodus is placed around 1446 BC, and if you don't believe me, go back to our Exodus episode remix. (laughs) Whoa! It just gets cut off. (laughs) It always gets cut off. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You got a messed up sound bite. Oops. So the Exodus is placed around 1446 BC, and then the Israelites spent 40 years wandering the wilderness. The events of Joshua take place around the time they were ending the wandering and entering into the promised land. So that puts the date, you know, roughly at like 1406, just saying 40 years straight up Mm. and not giving any time in between for whatever. Mm. So roughly 1406. We also, you know, can't give you an exact date, but there you go. That's when it happened. Nice. And the title, Joshua, well, as we know about other books, the first of the historical books is named after the main character in both the original Hebrew text and the Septuagint. Mm. Um, we're now getting away from books being named after the first few words of the book, which we see a lot in the Torah. And if you listen to our other episodes, we clarify what exactly that looks like and what it means. Um, Joshua's name specifically, though, and consequently the book of Joshua means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but when I found that fact out, it made me love that name. Yeah. I absolutely love that name. I, I'm not sure I loved it before, but I definitely love it now. If mm. I ever had a son. You know you want a son. I might name I always wanted a son. Mm. Even though I love my daughters, but I might consider the name Joshua. Mm. Just because of the meaning. Anyway, we know it's meaning and um now we'll discuss what the purpose of the book is. In the English Bible, Joshua is the first of the historical books. But in the Hebrew Bible, he is the part of the prophet section. Um, we can learn from their example as that shows the importance of the teaching and theology of the book. Joshua teaches us about God's faithfulness in keeping his covenants and God's sovereignty. Yeah, so the the purpose of the book, it's it's uh, this is conversational almost. Like, we can say... We believe that this is why this book is written, mm-hmm. but you can. That doesn't mean that this is the only thing that you can learn from the book. We're just saying that 
this seems to be why God had this book written at the time um, to teach Israel about his faithfulness and, and his keeping of the covenants and his sovereignty. Yeah. There's a lot of subtopics, too, that yeah. we can talk about. Like the, like an overall purpose, you would say, is God's faithfulness. And then people would be like, wait, just for the sake of God being faithful, he calls all of this violence? So there's a lot of right. there's a lot of big questions that need answers. And I promise you that's a question that we will discuss on a future episode, why, why God's wrath is the way it is and why we see him do the things that we see him do. Um, but what, like, that's a big question that'll come, that came up in my mind while reading this. So it's normal if you feel that way and we will discuss that. Yeah. So it's like the Christian jihad. (laughs) Sure. That's exactly what it's like, Mm. except not, not except the total opposite. (laughs) Anyway. The complete opposite. The complete opposite. Complete mark. Joshua, I read Joshua and it told me to go kill a bunch of guys. Now, (laughs) one thing we have to know is there's there's a lot of hyperbolic language in Joshua. Hyperbolic. Hyperbolic. Is there though? Hyperbolic. I think so. Is there? There could be. And we will discuss that. Oh, at I know what you're talking about. In time. Is there? Well, we could talk about that. I guess I we'll think. talk about that in a, a whole future episode. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> we could talk about that, but that's a whole other episode. We literally like, are, though. It, yeah. Sometimes was we it just total say that. destruction. Was it? Mm. Was it like a genocide mm-hmm. in this book? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, we have a special guest lined up to talk about that with us. Yeah. but we'll get down. We'll get down. But we're giving you a sneak peek as to what it's going to look like and what answers we're going to give. Ooh, anyway, sneak peek. Before we get into the context of the book and the outline of the book, you mean the content? The content. Because we just did the context. Yeah, not the context. <laughs> the content of the book. What was that? Uh, well, that was Mark. That was his voice. <laughs> I thought there was a little cat under the table, bro. Yeah, but you don't say that. Oh my gosh. So we're going to do some fun facts real quick. You guys ready to have some fun? Fun. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua was born as a slave in Egypt. He wasn't a young gun when he took over. Oh, he was an old gun. He was an old gun. (laughs) (laughs) He was an old gun. He's like a musket. (laughs) Uh, He was probably around 85 or 90 years old when he took over. And mm. that is... Oh, he's like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Wait, do you have the you outline? Brian joke, bro. No, you don't. That's literally a joke I have on my outline. Well, it's like... Who else is like Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Dude, so basically up he was dead thunder. by the time he won? There's been very Ooh, few times... No, there's been kidding. very few times when I wrote a joke down in preparation to say... <laughs> and Mark just stole the only joke I've ever written down. Because <laughs> it was so good, it was begging to be said. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, Joshua was about the same age as Bernie Sanders if he was to become president. Oh, so. wow. So, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's the first fun fact. The second fun fact is that the book of Joshua is totally about conquering. Conquering? Yeah. It covers three military campaigns that took over seven years and fought around 30 armies. It conquered the central region, the southern region, and the nor- nor- northern region northern? of Canaan. Which is modern-day Israel. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of blood and violence in this book. Mm. Yes. And we will talk about that, like we said, one day. One day in the future, we will talk about that. Time I for promise. content. All right, so let's get into the content of Joshua. There's three major sections 
There's the first section, which is the conquering of the land, and that's in chapters 1 through 12, and that's all the campaigns and stuff. Then there's the dividing of the land. That's in chapters 13 mm. to 21. And then there's the end of Joshua's life, and that's chapters 22 through 24. Um, in the first part, conquering the land, chapters 1 through 12, that's broken down into three smaller sections. There's the preparations to conquer, and that's in chapters 1 through 2. And in these portions, you you read about God's call to Joshua, and a key verse here is Joshua 1.9, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm. You send that to all your loved ones. Yeah. And then you forget it's in the context of this military book. Yeah. Mm. So that's it's a key still verse. Still that's a key, it is relevant for sure, but that is a key verse that God is saying to Joshua, though. And then also in the preparation portion, you have Joshua's call to Israel. So he's kind of relaying God's message. And then there's the spying of Jericho. And this is kind of a famous portion where they go to Jericho. They go to Rahab's apartment. Mm. And there's some people looking for the spies. They come to Rahab's apartment. Rahab hides the guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guys vow to save Rahab from the conquest. Let us not forget Rahab is a prostitute. Yes, Rahab is a prostitute. Also, she is in the line of Jesus, which is also a fun fact. Mm. Rahab precedes Jesus in his genealogy. So Mm. that's the first section uh, of the first section. Then the next part of the conquering of the land section is the actual entering of the land. And that's chapter 3 through chapter 5, verse 12. And that consists of the crossing of the Jordan River, which is chapters 3 and 4, which is kind of like a mini crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, And then there's like a quick break where they praise God that they entered into the land because this is a big deal. Moses didn't get to enter. The older generation didn't get to enter. So this is this is a huge moment in Israel's history. They're finally in the promised land. Yeah, so. I think that's like a forgotten point. Yeah, that God didn't just divide one sea, right? Like He did it to the Jordan River. I think people automatically go to Moses mm-hmm. when when they think about like this happening, but it happened again. Yeah, well, it's and, it's a more blockbuster moment in Exodus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're being chased by an army, and then yeah. I mean, either way, it's blockbuster, you know, and I well, think it's sure, kind of yeah. forgotten. Yeah, It's like, uh, you know, and then they have the whole portion with the three stones. God said, put them there. And to one of the, like, to this day, right, this, this is one of the first times where it's used. Like, it's still there to this day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three stones to this right, day. Right, right, yeah. It made, made me start thinking, I'm like, are they still there? Look at you, bro. Anyways. How you yeah. doing? How you doing? So the last part of the conquering the land section is the actual conquest of the land, and that's chapter 5, verse 13, all the way to chapter 12. And that's divided into three campaigns, Hmm. like I said earlier. There's the central campaign, which is the conquering of Jericho and the defeat of Ai. Spelled A-I. Yeah, they didn't defeat me. A-I. Um, and this was, there was kind of a setback at I because of Aiken. You guys, you know yes. the story of yeah, Aiken. Yeah, stole the stuff. Right. God told them not to, and he did, and mm-hmm. then they ended up he taking st- care of that. Stole the plunder. Yeah. 
God said, don't take the plunder. Right. And then they went back and they had victory at I. Uh, so that was the central campaign. And when I'm when I'm saying central, I mean geographically. They took the central uh, part of Canaan. Uh, after that, there's the southern campaign. That's in chapters 9 and 10. Then there's the northern campaign. And that's chapters 11 through chapter 15. And uh, after all these all these campaigns... They well, I think it's important to say, like, why was it that Canaan was their arch enemies? Like, why is it that they were attacking Canaan? They weren't necessarily their arch enemies. They were just occupying the land that w- that belonged to Israel. But wasn't it because of their sin that God ultimately allowed this to happen? Or is that, like, not a valid point? Like, because they were doing child sacrifices, because they were doing all these things, like, they didn't want Israel to adapt those cultures? Yeah. Or is this, like... Not well, God wanted Israel to be a light to those other nations. Mm-hmm. If you read Deuteronomy first, he wanted them to make peace with Canaan, and God was God did things in order to drive Canaan out, the Canaanites out of Canaan, and basically they ignored all of his driving out attempts. You could say kind of like how Pharaoh ignored all the yeah. plagues, and so eventually it got to the point where Israel just went in and conquered them because they never left would you say they were beyond redemption you guys are really getting into the well no because we still have <laughs> characters like rahab who was a canaanite mm-hmm. but she, you know her family was spared and she because was she right she... well i mean isn't this worth talking about though because people are reading it like they're actively reading it and they might have these questions like what the heck is going on yeah well that's a basic overview so we're definitely going to get into this deeper uh with our special guest in the future but the idea is basically God gave them several chances uh, and he was trying to drive them out and they ignored the chances. Mm-hmm. They ignored the driving out. So eventually he just sent Israel in and Israel just took over. Don't gotcha. ignore God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that could be self-reflective, right? Like while we're reading this, the the story of, how do you say his name? Akan? Aiken. Aiken. Achan. Clay Aiken. Achan. Yeah, like Clay Aiken. Aiken. Um, the story of Aiken, the story of the Canaanites, like God convicts us of our sins constantly, and God's constantly telling us, the Holy Spirit's convicting us, telling us which direction we should go. How often do we totally ignore that feeling, totally ignore that reality, and just listen to what we kind of want to do instead? To our own destruction. Yeah, to our own destruction. Yeah. And a lot of times we make our own choices, mm. and that's just a little segue into... Uh, the next episode that you're going to hear, or maybe the one after next. It's not in the next. It's actually going to be quite a ways in the future. The guy that we got is pretty booked up. So we're probably going to do this towards the end of the Old Testament itself. We're going to look back at the whole Old Testament and say, okay, God did this in the book of Joshua. God also did this in Judges. Also during the prophets, it looks like he's Mm. doing this. What's the deal with God in the Old Testament? Is Why is he, he so angry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about that in the future episode. But yeah, that's a basic, basic idea. All right, cool. <clears throat> so the next big section after the conquering of the land is the dividing of the land. So the land is conquered, essentially. There's still small tribes and stuff like that here and there that are occupying the land that belongs to Israel. But essentially, it's conquered. And now they're dividing it up between the tribes. Um, And we break down the division into four parts. There's the land that hasn't been possessed yet, Mm -hmm. and that's in chapter 13. They talk about dividing that land. 
Then there's the land east of the Jordan, and that's at the end of chapter 13, who that goes to. There's the land west of the Jordan, and that's a big passage. That's from chapters 14 through chapter 19. Uh, and that kind of breaks down a little bit. You can see the rationale behind the divisions in in the early part of chapter 14. Then they talk about Caleb's land because he's not necessarily his own tribe, but he gets his own land because of what he did in the past. That's also in chapter 14. There's the tribe of Judah's land. That's in 15. There's Joseph's land in 16 and 17. And there's leftover land basically in chapters 18 through 19 that they divide up. Uh, And that's all west of the Jordan. And then there is special cities in chapters 20 and 21. They talk about the cities of refuge in chapter 20 and the cities of the Levites in chapter 21. Hmm. You guys know what the cities of refuge are? I forget. Basically, if you accidentally kill somebody. Oh, you mean what it is? Yeah. I thought you meant the names of the cities. Oh, Oh, no, no. New York. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, the cities of refuge are if you accidentally killed somebody. I think it's almost specifically just that. I don't know if it's You can like, flee to a different right, city. And you can't be touched in the city because uh, there's a lot of, you know, justice and revenge and all this stuff going on back then. So this is these are cities that you can't touch, kind of like sanctuary cities for people that accidentally killed somebody. And there's the cities of the Levites. And the Levites mm. needed to be taken care of. They <coughs> need to be they needed to have their own places where people came and took care of them because they were full-time ministry basically and they didn't have a daytime job you could say like everybody else in the economic world so they had to be taken care of by the rest of israel you see kind of like pastors in churches Mm. today they're full-time at the church so they get paid via the people that go to the church Hmm. so now we got the the last part of joshua which is the end of joshua's life um chapters 22 to 24 um, this is where Joshua blesses two and a half tribes of Israel. Um, in chapter 22, the Reubenites, the Gadites. Gadites? Ga- Gadites? Yeah, Gadites. Gadites. <laughs> the Gadites. Gadites. Anyways. <laughs> a lot of cotton in this episode, bro. The Ga- oh, Okay, so this is where Joshua blesses two and a half, so to speak, tribes of Israel. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh. That's Joseph's tribe. And then we have Joshua's farewell speech in chapter 23. And in that speech, you have two parts. Um, The first part is the reminder of past blessings. This is what God has done for you. And this is what he's given you in chapter 23. And then the second part is the warning of possible cursings in chapters 23. Um, The end of chapter 23. Yeah, and the end of that chapter. So they're both in the same chapter, just the first half and the second half. And then... um, the third part of the end of Joshua's life is when Israel renews their covenant with God in chapter 24. Um, and this is broken up in three parts as well. This is where they, um, they're reminded of their history. And it's, it's become relevant to me that Israel has to be constantly reminded as to how many times God has redeemed them and saved them and, and saved them from their own circumstances. Mm. And once again here, they're reminded of their history. Um, then... This is a covenant stipulations in chapters in chapter 24, 14 to 24. And then the recording of the covenant in chapters 24, 25 to 28. Mm. And here at the end, 
like when Moses died. It legitimately got me sad because Joshua has become now like my new favorite character. Mm. And he died. And it's the death and burial of Joshua and the high priest Eleazar in chapter 24, 29 through 33. The, the book of Joshua ends with Eleazar, son of Aaron, dead and was buried at Gibeah. He's dead. He's dead. His dad, I tell you, his dad. I mean, it, it, here we go again. His dad. He's absolutely dead. <laughs> He's absolutely dead. Woo. <laughs> 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 yeah, so he's dead. <laughs> Guess what, guys? He's dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woo. Anyway, so the book of Joshua ends with the death and burial of Joshua and the high priest Eleazar. That's the book of Joshua. We hope that the outline helped you. Um, and we hope that we've given you enough content and context to now know how to study the books of the Bible study. from here on out. Study. <laughs> study. <laughs> yeah. So that's the book of Joshua. Herp, you liked it? If you are on the interwebs, hit us on the social networks. We are on the tweet tweet, the FB. We are on the, oh my goodness. the Stagrum. We are on... Finally, the, the kids will listen to us. <laughs> right? For shizzle. <laughs> Is this relevant enough? Anyway, so we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And while you're there, make sure you know... Bye. <laughs> That's the wrong one, bro. What are you doing to me? I meant to do that, though. Just give me the likes, don't pass and give them don't pass and scroll. Give them. Just hit follow. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Ooh. Are you give them to me. Make sure you go on our page also and and read our weird verse Wednesdays every single Wednesday. Every single. We never miss a beat. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no.